Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. Mandatory three mention of my names to get started. Previewing the Titans at Buffalo with a little bit of leftovers from the Titans season opening loss to the Giants. A big disappointment makes this game Monday night uh, all that much more important. The Titans have beaten Buffalo a couple times in a row, but I don't think this Titans team is as good as that one. And I do think this Buffalo team is better than that one. Here's the way I think the Titans need to approach this game to win. The Titans, uh, the Bills like to play nickel. Taron Johnson, 97% of the snaps last week um, in the win against the Rams. They've got long rest here after uh, that opening Thursday night. They love him as their nickelback. They list their their defense on their depth chart as a nickel defense. Um, But the Titans don't have three wide receivers really worth playing, though. Um, Kyle Phillips is very good. The wide receiver. So I, I shouldn't say they don't have three guys worth playing, but I think the Bills are very confident in their ability to defend three wide receivers. Um, and I don't know if the Titans' second wide receiver is worth playing. Their third wide receiver is worth playing. Um, but I, I think you got to go big in this game. Uh, I'm no Jeff Swain fan. Um, you know, Chig Aquanco uh, could do more certainly than he did in that opener. They were praising the contributions of their young guys, him included. Austin Hooper didn't do nearly enough in that game. I don't think he was given enough opportunities. Load up big, force uh, Buffalo into their base defense, its base defense. Um, And that base defense is going to include one of of two linebackers, um, Terrell Bernard, um, who's listed as their strong side linebacker in their uh, 4-3, or Tyrell Dotson, um, one of those two guys, neither of whom they seem to be all bought in on, is going to be on the field in this instance. Um, so if, if you go big and make them go big, I think you've got a better chance offensively against them. The, the other philosophy is that you let them stay little, you spread them out, and you try to pound Derrick Henry against that smaller defense. I'm sure we'll see some of that as well. Um, but I, I think you get a lesser player on the field in Bernard or Dotson um, and, and you get somebody that they really like in uh, Johnson off the field um, and take your chances that way. Blake Bettingfield talks about this a little bit in his uh, scouting preview that's at paulkuherski.com. Uh, fourth mention that you can uh, read at the site. I, I think this is a key um, development in, in what the Titans are going to do offensively in trying to dictate this game. Um I think we'll get into their uh, the, the Bills' pass rush um, issues that they're going to present to the Titans here in a minute. The biggest story of the week really has been um, Todd Downing's predictable play calling um, against uh, the Giants. So, so much um, first down running um, and uh, just this – lack of uh creativity unpredictability um to to downing's credit he admitted 
that the uh, second, third, and one, the play to Chig, um, where they kind of ran wide with a handoff instead of uh, handing the ball to Derrick Henry was a mistake. I know a lot of people in Nashville have killed him for, for saying that. I think you got to give him credit for admitting a mistake. He said they played a percentage off what they had seen, got a little too aggressive, and he should have done something downhill. I give him credit on that. He did say, hopefully I'm not too predictable. I think that's a little bit of a, uh, uh, I don't know. He, he is too predictable. But listen, I think that we're aiming too much at the wrong guy here. Todd Downing is not doing anything that Mike Vrabel doesn't want done. And Mike Vrabel is... Uh, and the Titans have won a lot of games doing it this way, but Mike Vrabel is perfectly fine with a very run-heavy offense. It's worked with Derrick Henry being a very good uh, running back, obviously. But, um, you know, they seem often content to get into third and short. I've got some a friend of mine pointing out to me that it's not out of line with the, the league uh, in terms of the number of thirds, third downs that they face, I feel like they're not, sometimes it feels like from up close and granted I get too close to them and don't see it from a league perspective enough sometimes, but that they don't, um, they aren't in line with the league and trying in terms of trying sometimes to avoid third down altogether. Um, uh, this, this friend is telling me I, I'm wrong on that. And, and I, I may be, you know, I told Downing about a stat last year on second down after a first down sack or incompletion, they ran the ball 64% of the time. That's the second most in the NFL. He didn't seem to think that that was a very big number. Well, when it's second most in the NFL, it's a pretty big number. Uh, and I think they're too predictable on stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is that Mike Vrabel wants that. Mike Herndon, if you go back and read what he wrote on Wednesday, this isn't a downing problem. The Titans led the league in first down runs in 2020 when the coordinator was Arthur Smith. They led the league in um, 2019. They led the league in 2018 under Matt LaFleur. This is not um, three coordinators who all just happened to uh, really like to run the ball on first down. These are three coordinators who all just happened to work for Mike Drake. There's uh, my dog Ripley in the background. He's not happy about being in a crate right now. Puppy. Um, these are three coordinators who are doing what their head coach wants them to do. Say a prayer with me that Ripley won't drive me insane during the rest of this podcast. They're doing what Mike Brabel wants them to do. And so if you're, and I think all of you are going to agree that Mike Vrabel has been a pretty damn head coach, good head coach for the Titans. Last year, I know it didn't pan out in the playoffs, but they won 12 games. They were the number one seed in the AFC. They used 91 players, and he was deservingly NFL uh, coach of the year. This was what he wanted them to do on offense. They did it even after Derrick Henry uh, even while Derrick Henry was missing nine games after he suffered the Jones fracture of his foot. So you want Todd Downing fired, a lot of you, but I doubt any of you want Mike Vrabel fired. 
and Tom Downing is undoubtedly doing what Mike Vrabel wants. So I need you to square that for me. I don't think Todd Downing's doing a great job. I think he's doing a job, though, that's satisfactory to his head coach that is at least following the guidelines of what his head coach wants. Defensive backs. Uh, look, by the time you listen to this, we may know Christian Fulton's status. It doesn't look good. He didn't practice Thursday or Friday with a hamstring injury. This would put the Titans in position to play Caleb Farley opposite Roger McCreary. Um, and then Roger McCreary would undoubtedly have to kick inside because Ugo Amadi, uh, who played nickel, which the Titans played on early downs, uh, but not in dime, which the Titans played really on, on third downs, clear-cut passing downs against the Giants. You know, Vrabel kind of categorized him as a as a almost a linebacker or a linebacker. And you can't have a, a linebacker type covering the guys that the Bills are going to play in the slot. So um, Gabe Davis, 6'2", 225, played 98% in that opening day game, opening night game against the Rams. Diggs, Stephon Diggs, six foot, 191, played 64%. Um, so uh, that, that's a little surprising. I don't know if he got dinged during that game. I don't remember. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, 5'8", 173 in the slot, played 44%. Jamison Crowder, another little guy, 5'9", 177, played 31%. I think they go four wide a little bit. Caleb Farley can't cover either of those little guys. He's got to be outside. So who's the inside option here, presuming that Fulton's out? And uh, you, you got to bring McCreary inside. So then who's the outside guy? Well, Chris Jackson just got called up from the practice squad. Uh, Molden's on the IR. Uh, he's not an inside option. So Trey Avery's on the roster. Chris Jackson's on the roster. Ugo Amadi is a is a inside guy. I'm thinking we're going to see Chris Jackson outside um, with McCreary inside. Less than ideal. Less than ideal. Um, you need that pass rush to keep Josh Allen uh, hemmed in which is a theme that they've hit many times against mobile quarterbacks. They don't want him moving to his right. They want him staying put or moving to his left. Um, and they, they got to do their best to, to blanket these guys. They've got to tackle better in the run game, be it Josh Allen or the running backs. Um, I wrote this week, you should go read it about um, – Zach Cunningham's problems in the run game, he wasn't the only one, but I wrote about how guys make a choice of uh, when they're shedding a block and trying to get to a ball carrier, something that Cunningham in particular and the defense in general was not great at. But, um, you know, Devin Singletary, not a great running back, but uh, can be effective. Zach Moss, James Cook, um, other guys that could get carries in this game. Josh Allen, uh, really the primary running weapon in in this game craig aukerman and this move to get randy bullock to the right hash it was more important to get him the right hash than it was to get him closer to the goal posts craig aukerman special teams coach who uh, you should have more concerns about than todd downing i think said the data said the right hash was the best thing for him i said doesn't this the, the data say getting him closer is more important and he said yes 
But uh, still, he emphasized the data, the data, the data, the right hash, the right hash, the right hash. I, I, I don't understand what the hell they were doing here. They clearly botched the end of game situation. I won't stay on it long, uh, but want to touch on it for those of you who are listening and, and not reading as much. Um, it made no sense to take a timeout after the clock stopped when Kyle Phillips was out of bound uh, after the game that got them into field goal range. Just being in field goal range doesn't mean stop trying to gain yards to get a field goal that was better than 47 yards. Again, I'll refer you to Mike Herndon's piece where he talks about the percentage, the percentage around the league for a 47-yard field goal versus just five yards better, 42 yards, is substantial. And 10 yards better, super substantial. You should go look at those numbers. It's ridiculous what the Titans did there. Uh, did not make a lot of sense at all. Um, and I think Bullock now, we didn't have any questions about him in the preseason. He was hammering the ball. He was doing just fine. Now I think there's got to be doubt in his head. I won't be surprised if he misses another one. And if he misses another one, and then you're having tryouts on Tuesday. Having tryouts on Tuesday, and uh, that's a big problem if you're having tryouts on Tuesday. The pass rush for the Bills. Look, last week, the the Giants were without their two best pass rushers. Now you're facing a team, the Titans are facing a team that's got a, a bunch of really good pass rushers. Greg Rousseau, Von Miller, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson. Those are just on the outside. Ed Oliver on the inside. Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips. There's a lot of solid guys who can get to the passer. Von Miller, obviously, um, the biggest problem there. Here's Mike Vrabel on how um, how the Bills come at the quarterback and what they did against the Rams. Um, you know, they 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 won. You know, they didn't send a whole lot of pressure. Um, you know, just give them a lot of credit for for what they do. Uh, they they don't do a whole lot. I mean, what they do is be fundamental, be sound. Uh, they play hard. They're they're very good fundamentally, very good tacklers defensively, and you know those guys were able to to roll guys through. You know, they they played a bunch of defensive linemen, um, you know, who all had some sort of impact in the game. Whether that was Vaughn on the outside, Phillips inside, um, Oliver, um, Daquan, you know, Epinesa. You know, they just keep rolling guys in at you. Now, Todd Downing and Ryan Tannehill both mentioned, both talked about the Giants and the exotic stuff that they had on third down that the Titans were very eager to avoid and uh, indicated, you know, that the Bills are more straightforward um, in this situation. The fear of this exotic stuff that the Giants had on, on third down without Audulari and uh, and Thibodeau is uh, a little baffling to me. Should be far more afraid of what the Bills could do, exotic or not, uh, than than what the Giants might have done last week. Um, and the Titans have some problems here, obviously, um, with with the Aaron Brewer, first time starter at left guard, Nicholas Petit Frere. Uh, rookie starter at right tackle starting just his second game. Taylor Lewan has a bit of an injury. He was limited the first day of the practice week. 
And then Nate Davis was out with a knee injury on, on Friday. Um, and then the backups at that guard spot have problems. Dylan Radins limited with a neck injury. Jamarco Jones missed Friday with an injury. Uh, you know, in a worst case scenario, Corey Levin could be starting in that spot. Lots of injuries to keep track of. We'll get uh some declarations on on Saturday afternoon so you could check up on what's going on there. But uh, this is a really different, really big test for this offensive line against pressure from the edges in the past game and some good run defense up front there as well. The Titans, you know, haven't run great against the Bills, minus one huge Derrick Henry run. Um, this is a whole different challenge up front. This is the Paul Kuharski podcast. It's connected to paulkuharski.com. If you're not a member for just $5.99 a month or for the price of 11 months, you can get a 12-month membership. You get a spot in a private Facebook group with fans, like-minded fans like you. Um, you get everything that I write. You get a scouting preview and review from Blake Bedingfield who is uh, scouted for the Titans for 19 years. You get some uh, analytical, an analytical column from Mike Herndon, who's uh, the best guy on Titans analytics out there. Um, And you you get this podcast and you get uh, two video chats a week, broadcasts with me. Uh, I usually do them during Thursday night football. This week's will be during Sunday night football at halftime. And after the game from the press box, unless the game happens to be at night, um, people seem to really enjoy those. So it's a lot for uh, for the price of a cup of coffee or a cocktail. I encourage you to uh, check it out and join up. Austin Hooper worked so much with um, Ryan Tannehill. You know, he's a new guy coming to town as a free agent. They worked a ton through um, OTAs, mini camp, and then during training camp, constantly during uh, special teams periods that neither of them were involved in, worked on placement, ball placement, Hooper's positioning, um, over and over, wrote stuff. And he was featured heavily. Uh, balls were thrown to him in practices uh, on a regular basis. And then they get to the opening uh, opening game. And he's a non-factor. He's a non-factor. He, he doesn't. Uh, he's targeted twice. He catches one six-yard pass rather late in the game. Uh, just didn't make a lot of sense. They they both talked about how it just wasn't. Uh, you know, it's just one of those days where you know things didn't open up for Hooper, but they will open up for Hooper uh, on on other days. I hope one of those days is is Monday night because they, they they need an injection of what Hooper could bring. Here's Tannehill talking about Hooper. Yeah, no doubt Austin is uh, going to be a playmaker for us throughout the year. Um, it just kind of worked out where you know during that game there weren't a, a whole lot of opportunities for for him. Um, but you know we know he's going to have to make a bunch of plays for us. You know moving forward throughout this year. So I have a ton of confidence in Austin, and, and we've shown that throughout training camp. So, you know, when those opportunities arise, we'll be able to hit them. You know, Jeff Swain was targeted four times in this game uh, against the Giants. Cody Hollister was was targeted once. Slow guys. Austin Hooper runs better than both of them. 
Austin Hooper needs to be a key cog in this offense with the limitations at, at receiver. Um, they got to get that going. And uh, I, I would uh, anticipate and expect that they, they make more of an effort to get it going. They keep talking about, you know, uh, you know, maybe he's not, maybe a guy who's not getting the ball isn't first in the progression. Maybe he's first in the progression. And on that particular progression, there's a penalty or he happens to be covered or whatever. I understand the things that they say about this, but other teams seem to manage to get the ball to the guy that they want. I understand the Titans are more matchup based also. Right. But and I'm not saying that that Austin Hooper is Christian Kirk. The Jaguars overpaid Christian Kirk, but they wanted Christian Kirk. They went and got Christian Kirk. They threw the ball to Christian Kirk 12 times, caught six passes in their opener. There's a happy medium between throwing the ball to your guy 12 times and throwing the ball to your guy. Again, not comparing a tight end to a wide receiver, but throwing the ball to your guy twice, one for six yards. I think the Titans have to do better at that. I understand Traylon Burks doesn't know everything. So I'm not saying throw it to him, you know, an outrageous number of times based on his limitations on the route tree. Well, you threw it to him five times. He caught three of them for 55 yards, 18.3 average. Can't you do a little bit more with him? Can't you do a little bit more with him? When Jeff Swaim's getting three catches for 19 yards, when Hollister's being targeted, can't you do more with Robert Woods and throw the ball to him twice when he's catching one on the, I think it was the opening drive, one for 13 yards? Seems like you let them take people away. I had a thought during the uh, the Chargers-Chiefs game on Thursday night when the Chargers are trying to come back, and I think this a lot of times, so I want to think it into existence. They, they made a couple short throws. Herbert made a couple short throws on the last drive where they were trying to close it to, to, to three, then have a desperation onside kick, to which didn't work. But if you're throwing a short pass and a guy clearly can see like what's ahead of him, or sense that this isn't going to turn into anything, drop the pass. It stops the clock, and it prevents you from making a two-yard gain that's worthless. I want to see more intentional dropping. It's a heady play. I think it should be coached. I know that not every pass you can see what's coming or whatever. But if it's a check down, ultimately, on a play where you were looking for something bigger, uh, I'd be more in favor of quarterbacks throwing it away or receivers simply batting it to the ground, knowing there are three guys coming behind me and this is going to turn into absolutely nothing. Drop the ball. Intentional drops for time saving and to minimize minimal gains when you need big chunks. What do we think? What do we think? Are we thumbs up on that? I would hope that we could be thumbs up on that. I don't understand why it's never discussed that at least in some situations, it would be the appropriate play. Um, I had a Tannehill quote here that I should have read about uh, when I was talking about the, the Bills defense. So I'm going to circle back to it. He said, 
he was asked if it was the defense, the same defense that they faced the last couple of years, the, the years that he's uh, been here. He said, structurally, it is the same. They have a lot of the same faces. They added Von Miller up front. Jordan Phillips is back from a little hiatus. Two really good players who make their defense better. If you look top to bottom, their safeties, their backers, their front, they are a really sound football team. They don't do a crazy amount of exotic stuff like maybe the Giants did. They're very sound. They play extremely hard. They're good tacklers. They're not going to try to give you anything. They're going to make you try to earn everything that you get out there. They're a really good defense. That's the mention of the exotic stuff that the Titans seem very concerned with. Uh, with the Giants, I, I guess you're worried about that exotic stuff, especially with uh, rookie right tackle and a first time, first year starting left uh, guard in Brewer and Petit Frere. Um, but I'd be far more concerned about this than that exotic stuff. I've got some stats for you, which is where we always like to finish. Um, but for starters, one note that the Titans put out that I thought was pretty uh meaningful about these two safety tandems um so the bills jordan poyer and micah hyde are a heck of a heck of a safety duo as is the titans duo of kevin byard and amani hooker well teammates at safety with six or more interceptions each from 2020 to 2022 poyer's got eight and hyde has six for the bills Bayard has six and Hooker has six over that same stretch. That's a pretty impressive uh, combo there. The Titans have 12 between them. And um, the Bills have 14 between them. See if uh, anybody collects any interceptions between uh, all of those those four quality safeties. Um, Monday night football record. I've got this here too. I'm not titans notes um winning percentage since 2008 pittsburgh is 8 10 with 17 wins and four losses the titans are second at 80 percent eight and two seattle third at 750 12 and four you'll notice those teams have a lot more games but eight and two since 2008 pretty good pretty good um buffalo tough place to play as we said and I've been saying the Titans, uh, you know, last year we're in a similar situation, lost an opener, much worse. Um, and to an Arizona team that was better than these Giants needed to bounce back in a big way, going to a tough place to play against a good team. Seattle turned out not to be as good as we thought. And the Titans found a way to win there. I think this Titans team is not going to wind up being as good as last year's Titans team. And this Bills team is better than the Bills team the Titans have beaten the last couple of years at home. So it's an even bigger challenge to go to Buffalo and win on Monday night. I don't have a great feeling about it, but Mike Vrabel has done wonders with challenges just like this. So we'll see what he can do. We'll finish up with some stats from Inside Edge. The Bills defense allowed 61% of the touchdowns against it on the ground last year, 19 of 31 highest in the NFL league average was 37%. The bills allowed 61% of the touchdowns against them on the ground last season. That uh, bodes well for Derek Henry 
Um, and Derek Henry owners in fantasy football. We'll get back to Henry in a second. Josh Allen has 76 touchdown passes since 2020 season, since the 2020 season, the fourth most of qualified quarterbacks. The Titans have allowed 62 passing touchdowns since the 2020 season. Same time period tied for the fourth most. So it would seem to be some opportunity. Cast of characters, certainly for the Titans defense has changed a great deal since then. Finally, Derrick Henry is averaging 4.8 yards per carry on first down since the 2021 season. That's tied for sixth best of qualified backs. The Bills have allowed 4.9 yards per carry on first downs over the same time span. Tied for fourth worst in the NFL. We talked about uh, the reemergence of um, Jordan Phillips, who works now on the inside with Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones. Um, those guys would be instrumental, along with uh, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds behind them and try to lower that number. But certainly if the Titans are in an average of second and five, for all of our bitching about first down running, um, they'll be in a pretty good position in Buffalo. Hope you've enjoyed this. There are some barking dogs uh, I've recorded on Friday night, and I'm off to Pearl Jam. So hopefully that's as good as I expect. I hope you have a great weekend of watching college and pro football and then a great Monday night with the Titans. I appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much. Thank you.